0: Welcome to the original vegan business talk with myself, Shane, Jeremy, James, where I discuss life-changing business advice with vegan companies who are making a true difference in the world. Hey, everybody! Welcome back to another episode. And today our guest is Geetha Jar- Jarama. Rama. Did I get it right? Jaya Raman. Yes. Jaya Rama, and she is the founder of Spoon and Sprout. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Shane.
0: Yeah, you're so welcome. So tell us a little bit, uh Cliff Notes backstory about you, and then how did you get to do what you're doing today?
1: So I um have been I was an accountant and cost analyst for about 20 years, left the corporate accounting job. Um, I wanted to do something that was purposeful, uh, something that was more uh in line with how my values and um after Years of battling allergies, with just for myself and my kids, I knew that there was something wrong with it. It was essentially food allergy, so I had to take a step back and think about what was causing all this. Having worked at Kraft Foods as a cost analyst, I um, let's say that I knew a lot of the ingredients that went into the products, and you know, the aha moment is um, this is not what I want to consume. Um. So we went back and changed the way we not just ate food, but where we buy the food, who we are buying it from, how is it grown. So we've been we basically went back to a more organic um food consumption. So again, my eighty twenty rule. Most of the time, it's organic. There are times you can't. So um, and I'm okay with that. It's just being mindful about what you eat and we have pretty much eliminated all food allergies by just switching our diet and sticking to it over the years
0: right that's amazing that's amazing and then so when you started your business now uh why did you decide to start it tell us a little bit about it
1: when i first started the business it didn't start with the intention of oh i want to do something like super healthy you know I grew up in I was born and raised in Malaysia and Malaysia is the um it, it, Malaysia is the home of plantains they have beautiful plantains and we would make plantain chips at home um plantain chips at every party at every wedding and I wanted to recreate some of that because I couldn't find anything that was close to what my mom was making and it started out with a journey of making it at home and it kind of mushroomed into a business. And at the time, and I was moonlighting between my job and, you know, doing plantain chips. I did not know what I was getting myself into Um, making a few pounds of plantain chips at home and increasing, you know, and, and going commercial making hundreds of pounds of chips is a completely different ball game. We had to figure out equipment that is no equipment in the market to peel and slice plantain. So it's a pretty manual task. And you can see that most plantain chips that you get in the market today are not made in the U.S. due to those factors. And right. I did two things. I started with green plantains, found a distributor. Most, a lot of the plantains that I'm I'm uh, consumed in this country are um, ripe, especially in the Hispanic markets and the South American markets. Um, but we decided to do it green. So we uh, peeled sliced, fried, packed. We pretty much do everything. The difference is um, we decided to go with healthier oils to, you know, to fry the chips. So we, use, uh, we started out with safflower oil, but the distribution is very challenging to get, you know, to get sa- safflower oil. And you have to buy in very, very large quantities to make it affordable for you to get the supplier to ship those to you. So we switched to sunflower oil, which was a lot easier to get. But from a price point, it is at least double of any other oil that you can get in the market. Um, Why I decided to stick with sunflower oil? Because it is a neutral oil, so the plantains retain the flavor of plantains. But I also wanted to make sure that all my ingredients, all my other ingredients were Uh, organic. The plantains are the only ones that are not organic. It's trying to get an organic plantain is just uh, prohibitively expensive, not to mention the skin is really thick. I don't think anything's going to penetrate through the plantain to get into the, you know, vegetable or fruit itself. So we started out with the plain sea salt and added on flavors as customers were requesting. So we ended up with having seven flavors and the oil the or, and and the spices are all organic so we have some custom blends um for a couple of our flavors and i needed a kitchen to make the chips so that my celiac um customers can enjoy plantains without any contamination in it and that mushroom into opening up a vegetarian cafe i was born and raised a vegetarian lifelong and i cared about you know not having any contamination in my food so Um, But the cafe and the food kind of started taking over my time and I started cutting back on the plantain chips. But um, it is definitely an educational journey. This was over 10 years ago to show my customers how you can eat with the season, how you can how to consume brown and red and quinoa and amaranth and, you know, no white sugar, use alternate sugars. So this was like my educational journey. And let's say I had my training wheels at the time, and I learned a lot from by serving customers at home, it is, it's fine, because your family is going to eat whatever you cook. Um, But when you go out there, and you're cooking for people you don't know, who are just walking in from the street, it's a whole different story, right? There's a lot more you have to learn to adapt and talk to them about why you're doing what you're doing. So we built a following on that, but after a couple of years of trying to do everything from scratch, um, I kind of went that burnout phase and I had to close down the business and um, close the cafe, but I kept the meal plan alone because this gave me the flexibility to just do it once a week. So a lot of my uh, customers from the cafe um, ended up doing the meal plans. Um, So that helped me keep going for a while. And when we moved to New York, it was just too far for us to uh, commute to the cafe. And so it made sense for me to just close that location down and figure out what New York had to offer. Now, New York rents are very, very expensive. um. Yes. So we did we pretty much did events on the weekends, catering during the day, you know, and we uh, signed up with a company that did uh, lunch pop ups at corporations. So they New York has a lot of eateries. So if you step out, you have lots of places to go to. But there are many companies that wanted to give the service to employees to bring in companies every day of the week and say, okay, here are, you know, here is the the vendor that's coming in. Here's the foods you're gonna have. So sometimes the company will pay for them. Sometimes they subsidize this subsidize this by some dollar amount or 50%. And sometimes not. So we could we did that at least a couple of times a week and it could range anywhere between 40 uh, forty people we're serving today to 150 people tomorrow. So it depends on the company that we're going to. So that taught me this fast-paced um, serving because we had all of two hours for lunch to serve that many people. Um, But it's not just the cooking part and serving part, but prepping and, and menu creation that I had to learn. Okay, I can't do this slow way that we cook at home, we kind of have to change the menu to adapt to how can we serve still the same quality and nutritious food, but, you know, with as minimal effort as possible. Um, We did that for several years, again, burnout, because we were working seven days a week, and New York is very, very expensive to do business in. Um, And we, and I think that Not having our own place made it very, very challenging for us to expand beyond what we were doing, you know. Um, So we moved. I have family in Texas. So we moved to San Antonio soon after we moved. COVID hit and I had so much downtime and I didn't know what to do. We had just started our catering. We had started doing some farmer's markets. Um, I did three things. I enrolled. I did a... uh, plant-based uh, nutrition certification offered by the eCornell program um, by Thomas Campbell. So that right. was a, you know, I did the program and then um, I enrolled in a business accelerator called Founder Institute and went through 14 weeks of that program. It's sort of like a micro MBA, if you ask me, but it's very fast-paced, very intense. Um, And I graduated from that program and uh now having moved to uh, Texas, I, I did not have my photography friend. So I now had to learn one more thing that would make it easier for me to take pictures of my food. So I did an online course on food photography so I can right. help myself take right. pictures right. of all the foods that I'm cooking. But part of the Founder Institute uh, program is you have to identify what your product is and work on that throughout, throughout the 14-week program. And... <clears throat> While I was in New York, there was uh, someone who made uh, tempeh, which is a fermented uh, beans. Um, Great. And he actually had he, he made soy based uh, tempeh, but he also made soy free tempeh. And that was more appealing to me since I don't consume much soy. Um. So now I don't have access to him and it'll be very expensive to ship a frozen product across the country. So I decided to learn how to make tempeh and that was going to be my product for the Founder Institute Accelerator. Great. So I now um, I now have a viable product. Uh, we have done some soft sales. And um, so I've learned to make the soy-free tempeh and I make Great. three, and I'm introducing three different um, ready-to-eat meals with the tempeh. So we have a uh, tempeh curry, It comes with brown rice, tempeh teriyaki, which comes with the brown rice and millet noodles and smoky tempeh, which comes with smoky tempeh, which comes with quinoa. Um, So all of these are gluten free, uh, soy free. And just a smoky tempeh has uh, cashew Caesar sauce that you can pour over. That's the only thing that is not not free. Um, So this is what we hope to take to market. Uh, we're in the process of getting our non-GMO certifications and vegan and gluten-free certifications so we can now go to market with the product. That's amazing. In the meantime, in the meantime I'm doing catering and meal plans. And I do have to say the tempeh items are pretty popular. Every meal plan order I have, somebody's ordering at least one tempeh item.
0: Right, amazing. What's been your biggest challenge right now?
1: um finding a location is actually the biggest challenge um i think what happened during covid and if you look at all the big big cities like san francisco and new york um, many restaurants closed down so you had that brick and mortar location that came up for lease regardless of whether it's expensive or not houston didn't go through that initially i thought that would be the same case here but that's right. not the case so you you had more demand and very little supply um in, in addition people moved to texas you know to houston to dallas you know right. and austin so it the demand actually increased not reduced so the challenge is to find a, a location that is ideal for my kind of business and um and not be so very expensive again the demand has driven up the prices of the you know the rent for the least locations as well so we're still we've been looking for almost a year now and we still haven't found anything that is suitable so we're still looking hopefully we'll find one you know soon wow. <laughs> but i think that is a critical like in most um but like in most big cities right when you don't have a brick and mortar location and you're doing something that's more of a niche it's not that vegan food is a niche, but what I'm doing is more of a niche. Um, right. And when you don't have a brick and mortar location and you either have a catering or a meal plan, it really minimizes how many people will, will uh, hire you for their services, right? So right. Um, it that means that most people have not tried my food unless somebody catered and they were there or they decided I want a meal plan and it is a lot easier for people to say hey i'm going to be busy i'm going to just pick up dinner on my way home rather than say i'm going to be really busy let me plan on the meal plan so i don't have to worry about food and most times i think people go with the first you know option which is yeah, yeah i'm tired i don't want to cook let me just stop by and pick up something you know and it's also the it, it, i i i think i'm struggling with the part on how to um how to to reach people like that and say hey i can do this for you you know you're busy but here is a service you can order we deliver once a week but you still have to do some work in terms of like planning what you want and place that order you know and i think that's where i'm struggling with and um while we get some meal plan orders and we get some catering orders again if people don't know what i do it's hard for them to imagine what the food tastes like so Um, I keep hitting that brick wall, you know, a lot, um, hoping that the brick and mortar would help me break down all those walls.
0: Right. Right. And so that's how, that's how, like, you're going to do brick and mortar, uh, in order to, uh, kind of gain more traction, but are you, are you also going to do like online too? So brick and mortar and do.
1: Yes. Um, I think, I think the. Right. I think the online is important, you know, um, so people can say, OK, I'm going to go ahead and place an order, but I'm going to go pick it up. You know, I mean, I'm still going to do the meal plans for people who are still interested in that and not worry right, about yeah. dinner on a daily basis. And again, expand on the catering services. When we have a brick and mortar, it's easy for me to show them, showcase more items that I can you know, do right. and people can sample. So um, getting more catering, expanding on that is actually critical.
0: Right, yeah, you're like every small, you know, smaller business. I mean, you just have a. It's such an online play now for everybody, and and and, mm-hmm. and such a branding play, and such a, um, you know, I mean, that's what a lot of people don't do. They don't put enough into the content play, and you know, we've done a hundred podcasts in the last five months, and. Mm-hmm. It's built our, you know, I wanted to go back into the vegan space and start talking again because I didn't talk. I've been vegan for a long time. I just didn't talk and everybody was like, you need to talk more. So, you know, it took us five months to really, you know, garnish and make quite good money, get a lot of people out there, build brand. Um, but it was just a such an online play um, of content, which, you know, positioned us, you know, into the market. So I like brick and mortar nowadays. You know, I, I was, you know, when I had the Curves franchises, I, I mean, we didn't have online. So, you know, everyone kind of jokes because they knew that I would crush it, even though I crushed it more, I'd even crush it more because I would just, to me, it's like, okay, here's my demographic. I just got to figure out where all these people now are online. Where are they hanging out on Instagram? Where are they hanging out in the groups? This is my demographic. And now I just build community around them with inside the ecosystem. And then I bring them in, you know, so Um, I I feel brick and mortar is easier nowadays, but most people just I believe most people don't do it properly. The the truth is,
1: I'm going to agree with you on that, because I see my challenges in not having the brick and mortar. Um, But again, talking about the demographics, right, when we lived in New York and we would all the time that we did catering or we actually all the catering I did were people who were not vegans or vegetarians. All right. my hearing was from people who wanted, you know, different options, but yeah. completely vegan. They were fine with it, and even when we did the corporate lunch pop-ups, you know, we kind of randomly took survey every time we were in different companies. Like, what right. do you, what you know, why, why do you prefer uh, plant based or vegan? You know, and they basically their answer is, listen, we eat meat. I'm not going to give up meat, but if I want to eat something healthier, I don't want a I don't want a vegan burger patty I prefer something that is less processed that has more vegetables in it and 80 percent of our customers in New York were not vegans or vegetarians so now we move to uh, Houston and we find that that number is has, is even higher you know that we have many more People who are not vegans or vegetarians, yes, if they're coming for an event where there's catering and they find that we have vegan options, it's exciting for them, you know, but predominantly my customer base are not vegans or vegetarians, you know, so it, it again adds another challenge here because the pie I can service to is so much larger, right? How do I even, um, I, I don't know how to target because I don't have a core target market. Mm-hmm. I don't have a to- core target audience. Right. If it's so large, I don't know how to um, I don't know how to address that market.
0: Right. Right. But I think your mar- your market, especially if you're doing brick and mortar, I mean, your market is is in your general demographic of in your community. And so it's just a matter of I mean, Pending I'm. A- on. Yeah, I'm really good at building community. I, I say there's two things that build a business in the NVIDIA and I've done them both. One is building teams, and two is building community. And if you build those together, you scale a business. And it's funny how many business owners don't focus on that. It's crazy to me. And 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 uh, you know, especially if you have brick and mortar, um, you know, that community is so important. Like we 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 have online stuff. The majority of our stuff is now besides some of our clothing and stuff like that. Um but it's interesting because one of my uh, guys the other day, he's in big business, $200 million. He said to me, it's interesting that, you know, you help so many of these businesses scale and, and stuff like that. And you have a really online business now, but you're really offline. And he's like, you look at your compassion kingdom and what you do in the community. You do more offline, but you sell your pro- programs online. online. And he's like, it's interesting how you've been able to scale and you get that, right? And you so you've been able to... You know, so 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 for me, you know, it would be even easier for me if I had a brick and mortar, right? Because I <laughs> people can meet there. You know, we could do things right. and stuff like that. So I like brick. I you know, I like brick and mortar still. I mean, I come from brick and mortar, and I I you know, I have a real passion for brick and mortar. I miss brick and mortar. You know, to be honest, right? I I enjoy brick and mortar, um, and I think there's a real opportunity with when people do brick and mortar right nowadays because of the inter. You know, because of online. Um, And being able to, you know, being able to keep the community tight with you as it grows because of online. So the right structure, like if you look at our process and systems just for how we build community, it's flawless, like flawless, right? And so, um, and that's why we win. But a lot of people can't see that because you know what I mean? It's so, it's so, uh, I guess you would call it, you could say it's so operations, Right. And people can't see behind the bit of, of, of operations.
1: I also think that that brick and mortar is also building relationships, you know, getting to know your customer base even better yeah. because you get to talk to them in person. Yeah. And and that helps you tweak your business, make changes to your business. You know, there's only so much. Yes, online is great. We can write pages and pages and post reviews and all of that stuff. But nothing like really having that conversation with, you yeah. know, customer Way back when I had my vegetarian cafe, uh, there were days when I would only get people will with all kinds of illness show up at my door. And, right. you know, I felt like I was cooking for the sick, but I had cancer patients. I had people with high right. diabetes, you know,
0: um, oh, yeah.
1: um, and, you blood pressure and all kinds of health issues you know and it made me i I think it made me think about here is why they came because i was very transparent with every ingredient i was using in my food so they knew that they could come here and feel safe because you know the ingredient list doesn't really cover every single item that's going in there to be honest i think people need to read the, the nutritional labels and the ingredient list so that you are aware of what goes into the food and there's so much uh rush to get through the day and you know when you go grocery shopping you i i tell myself and sometimes i end up doing this you don't go shopping when you're hungry you'll end up buying the wrong things <laughs> you know right. things that you shouldn't yeah. have um But I think it's critical to take that extra few minutes to read the ingredient label and not just, you know, grab it and put it in your cart without understanding what that product is. And, or, especially if you have issues, health issues, or you have allergy issues, right? Um, And I think that having a location where I can cater to a lot of allergies and a lot of people who have dietary limitations, you know, can be pretty useful, uh, can be very helpful with a brick and mortar
0: yeah i i agree 100 percent. you can you can build relationships at a different level faster mm-hmm. with brick and mortar and, and and it was interesting i was just teaching a group of business people last night and 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 one of the things is i always say you only win in the end everything is a commodity somewhat because of the internet no matter what anybody mm-hmm. says right unless mm-hmm. you start uber or, Lyft or you know what i mean something mm-hmm. like that the only thing you can win on is a customer experience that is out of this uh, out of this world. And most people are just okay, right? And some of the ones that I even looked at and they thought they were good, they're like, oh, shit. Like, when you showed me how to do it, I realized I wasn't that good. You know, like, I wasn't that good. And I said, that's where you win because most business owners suck at that part. Suck at it, you know. Sorry to say, everybody listening, but I have yet to see somebody walk into my door and show me a flawless customer experience and yeah a couple of my friends they're also millionaires that's how they got there right so um you know that that's how you know and that with brick and mortar it's so much e- you know it's it's really easy too to be able to create that different customer experience but not just with inside the establishment even when they leave and you know and you have so much connection to them now um and so they go uh, and and uh, they walk away, and, and they're like, wow, or over time, they're like, wow. I always find it interesting. People will put way more into marketing dollars and not take even 3% or 4% off their sales into customer experience, when if you do customer experience, right, you can cut down in your marketing dollars by 95%. It it just has never made sense to me, you know, and and a lot of people ask me why I had success with the Curves franchises, and we nih- annihilated everybody. Was because the customer experience and how we built community was just at a different level than everybody else, and and that's 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 really why we won. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm you know I, I'm excited for you because I think if you you know with your product, I think your product's obviously good, and I think it's, you know, it's a good space to be in. I think that with the with the, you know, I think your market is. Once you find that brick and mortar, is just the demographic within that radius of people that, you know, are somewhat leaning towards trying to eat more healthy and a bit more plant-based. And somebody that even meets, eats three times a week, but they want to eat your food twice a week, mm-hmm. you know, type I of think, stuff. I um, think the key thing
1: is when you have uh, foods that they don't consume on a daily basis, what they're looking for is really good flavor. And yeah, flavor is the key. Yeah to it is. getting your customers to enjoy your product and say, yeah, I like it, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think, um, you know, I think I have learned the art of uh, making food pretty flavorful that, you know, I, yeah. do, I do think that that is key. And yeah, it's healthy. Sure. That's the icing on the cake, you know, but I think if you approach it with uh, the flavor forward, I think that is, hopefully the the winning um ticket that i need
0: yeah i mean i agree that is everything in your in your in your business i mean you know besides you know building the operations but mm-hmm. if you it does like i would say to somebody hey if if your food is not flavorful and doesn't taste good i don't care how good that i could even help you build operations we're not going to make it the mm-hmm. product is mm-hmm. you know the product is is not that good so i'm 100 percent agree with you you know and it's true. When it comes to food, no matter what people say, and if somebody wants to even try a vegan product, and they eat meat twice a week or something, it's got to taste good, period, mm-hmm. right? And if it doesn't mm-hmm. taste super good, they ain't coming back. It's just Absolutely. not going to happen.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And I don't want to for people to think that, you know, vegan food is just, you know, salads, or it has to be a burger patty. That's far more things you can do you know with vegetables the seasons change and you can cook the same vegetable in many different ways you know so there are many ways to enjoy um, vegetables and food that is done well
0: yeah yeah i i I agree and I, i think that you know you've got so much background in history and cooking and stuff that um you know i could see you becoming a good brand you know you you're 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 a good you're a good talker you're good on on camera once you find your location and stuff you should i would do a you should do a i would do a podcast if i were you what i would do is i would take everybody in my radius that owns businesses and i would start to interview them all in the podcast two it gets you into the market three it builds you relationships with every one of those people which then you can collab. and some people will come into your into your business no matter what i would dominate that whole market consistently like that um
1: Trust yeah, me, if you do that, suggestion. it'll work.
0: I I promise you that will work for you. But most people, when I give advice, just don't do shit. So if mean, you do it, it'll
1: work. <laughs> no, <laughs> so. i i i will I will attempt to do that. Yes,
0: right. I'm, I'm
1: actually yeah. not very comfortable talking. Um, you're great, except talking,
0: by the way. You're except except talking. when
1: it's food. <laughs> except you're when great. it's food.
0: <laughs> she, yeah, you're great. you're great. You're great. You make my job easy, right? <laughs> you're great. I at mean, this.
1: I, I I think my ultimate goal is to um show that in order we we all worry about climate change and animal cruelty and that seems to be the force in people becoming vegans but yeah. my my theory is if you care about what you eat where it's grown how you source it how you cook with it it starts right there why isn't yeah. your health more important you know than anything else um I think it's a trickle down if you, again, do what's best for your body. It's going to have a trickle down effect to the climate, to animal cruelty and all of that stuff.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. I agree. And it definitely starts and it's needed and it's needed now. And just from everything, from the animals, from environment, where environment's going now, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. there's so many areas that we can touch on now that, you know, people are starting to, you know, understand and i think too some of your your market in that space will be uh the bit also the a bit of the younger gender younger like i mean yes. 25 to even 35 because they're more conscious a lot of them are more healthy they're looking to change the world and i think if you tell the right story around your brand you'll pick up a, you'll pick up a lot of them that will support you because they're more conscious mm-hmm. in, in, in general and more conscious of choosing brands That are doing good in the world too Mm to be honest mm -hmm. yeah i'm um, hoping
1: to be a change maker that's let's put it that way
0: (laughs) you're on your way you're on your way right so that's that's the that's the start you're already doing you're already doing it so so it's just a matter of taking it it's just a matter of amplifying it a little bigger (laughs)
1: <laughs> that that's that's the hard part for me i you know i've worked behind the desk for so many years before i got into the cooking that my comfort is uh in the kitchen not really in front of people so um i have to make a big effort to write and talk um than just you know spending my time being happy in the kitchen
0: right well i mean like i said you you do extremely well doing this you're very well spoken very articulate and you you come across with good energy so you know this is where you're you know you're going to build your business upon doing this this type of stuff to be honest because you're some people just can't do video they're just not good at all on it right so i tell them look you know you've got to get into writing more you've got to do audio or stuff more you know you know you're just video is not your thing at all right at all but mm-hmm. you 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 are i mean there's people when i ask a question i'll be honest and they have one line answers right so when we're doing a you know an interview right so i'm gonna have to ask you know 200 questions to just try and get an interview done right which is under but i mean you're great i mean you you know your stuff you 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 have lots of experience behind you too to talk about that's the other mm-hmm. thing right you have a lot of stories i, it.
1: I had to learn um You know, I don't think a lot of these things are taught in any schools. You kind of learn it as you go. Um, And it's it's the necessity to learn so you can not just do what is needed for your business, but also in translating that to help your customers.
0: Yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent. Uh, So where can everybody find you guys at right now? Uh, So right now we
1: are online. So you can check out our website at spoonandsprout.com. We have multiple options. We have um, an a la carte, a catering and a meal plan. Um, we are slowly adding a couple of like coffee stores. We have one coffee shop that carries some of our products um, and we are adding another one shortly. So we just had a tasting yesterday. So hopefully uh, we'll we'll get their order pretty soon and we'll add them on. So I think that making that baby steps to uh, getting my product out there is exciting um, until I find a brick and mortar. So I have to be realistic about how much I can take on until i have my own space we have a commercial kitchen that we use It's a shared kitchen space but again shared kitchen spaces are time and space limiting so there's only so much i can do with you know a shared kitchen space yeah,
0: yeah. well that's amazing so everybody go check them out did you give your uh did you do you have an instagram did you give that
1: i have an instagram account it's at spoon and sprout uh, so you can follow us um dms you know we're happy to help you in any way um you can also uh follow us on our linkedin um page you know spoon and sprout and um and uh we do have a facebook so i'm i'm much more on instagram and linkedin than any other platform at this point
0: right amazing so everybody go check them out there's a lot of people that watch this show and there's even a lot of people in houston i know that watch the show and i'm connected to so uh, go follow them and connect with them. It's always good to support people doing good in the world. And everybody also make sure you guys go over and join our uh, compassion uh, kingdom um, where most of you guys know we have a massive community where we go out once a month in our communities and help the homeless people addicted to drugs, raise lots of money. We do so much. We've been doing it for five to seven years now. And uh, and, and we just have a large group of people that that work to change the world together. And support each other. So thank you so much for this wonderful interview. Thank you, interview.
1: Shane. Thank you so much.
0: Awesome. Take care, everybody. Till next time.